Hello, you're listening to Season 3 of the Hypotheticals Podcast. I'm Adriano. I'm Andy, and this episode is sponsored by Eddie Weddell's Edifice Wedding Excellence Emporium. We'll get everything ready for the most monumental day of your life. Andy, I'm going to bring back a classic question. How do we revolutionise sports? Oh, it's it's been a classic theme of our podcast sports throughout and many a topic. Um, it I has. think we we started the first episode we mentioned sports, right? I think that was in there. I think so. I I think I went on at, at some small length about how I felt like football needed more traps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. as far as we got. I, I don't really remember the question itself, but uh we kind of that was basically it, wasn't it? We basically touched on football needing traps and then like topic done, next. More or less, yeah. I think we uh we didn't do the the, the thorough deep dives that we're known and loved for these <laughs> days. And uh this is a rich seam uh that that merits further interrogation, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, to kick things off, then, ho ho, um, <laughs> and also, oh, it's a well, it's a well-timed episode. Not not for the release of this episode, but for the recording because it's uh, the England game tonight, the final. Oh, yes. um, and I, I'm sure that football will be going home, as the saying goes. Um, anyway, <laughs> but yes, I was thinking though, it might be more exciting. And I, football was when I was thinking for this, if for a team game, a certain number of your players are picked randomly from the crowd so if Ooh. you go you've got to be willing to be potentially humiliated in front of millions of people it's like um, sitting in the front row uh, of a magic act exactly you might be called upon yeah or at a comedy gig you might be interacted with by the comedian so maybe mm-hmm. people pay more for those seats or whatever but really anyone from the crowd could be could be picked on to uh, and probably at random to be part of uh, the team, and maybe half of them are professionals, half of them are fans, but it would just create a fun dynamic where half the people probably don't know what the hell they're doing, um, and have mm-hmm. so- sort of got to be very quickly like briefed b- beforehand by the manager and the rest of the team to be mm-hmm. like, what are our tactics going to be, um, what are your strengths, and that sort of thing. I love that image, because also people show up to sports games in a variety of different states, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of, of dress, of inebriation, uh, <laughs> of like physical sort of fitness, and uh, the the image of the I'm, I'm picturing the what's it called the jumbotron? Like they pan that kiss cam around, and then whoever it lands oh, yeah. on mm-hmm. has to like you know. Uh, except yeah, this would be like the who's gonna be our next star player? And then they pan it around the crowd, and they're like, it's little Timmy, and then the seven year old <laughs> has to you know <laughs> this seven year old going in goal, Timmy. <laughs> He sat down and then he has to, and then like, yay! And the parents are like cheering next to him, and then he gets up and hobbles onto his crutches. Oh no! <laughs> and swings down onto the yeah. Or there's like a big um kind of uh, grabber claw that comes down and picks him up. That's even better. <laughs> puts him on the pitch, yeah. Because I think it gets dangerous once you start adding qualifiers, like oh well, we we can't let little Timmy because he's only seven, or mm-hmm. well, he's recovering from knee surgery, or <laughs> you know, like you can't start. Well, oh oh oh, right, only adult then or like only people who've consented or only people who are fit enough you know you mm-hmm. you start narrowing this down enough you end up with only professional athletes again what was the point yeah you've got to run the risk of having someone who literally can only sit there um and do nothing or you know just just is really bad at football for for any reason um, yeah if, if there isn't at least a slim chance that there's going to be a like a month-old infant sat in that goal <laughs> then i'm not getting the thrill <laughs> 
<laughs> that I seek in my sports And they're not allowed any caregivers with them. They're a month old, but they, they've committed to the game. And that's where they're going to be. The claw has chosen. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) The mother or father needs to like cling on and be dragged with if they want (laughs) to assist. That's just, Mm -hmm. that's the rules. Or maybe, maybe it's not individuals. Okay. You've got to even things up a little bit. Like, okay, a baby is probably not going to do so well in goal. Um, How about this? It's not a number of individuals. It's an aggregate weight. Right, right, okay. It just needs, like, this volume of participants. So uh-huh. the the claw just gathers until it's, like, within, <laughs> like, a tolerable limit. It's not going to be, you know, exact, So you, obviously. you could theoretically have um, a game where you're there's 11 adults on one side and, like, 50 toddlers on the other. Yeah, I mean, that'd be more interesting, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be, like, one of those um, one-horse-sized duck or uh-huh. a hundred duck-sized horses type scenarios, it would it would enable that, and it wouldn't happen often. So when it did, it would be very special. It would, yeah, they'd be a memorable game because you you wouldn't want to like slide tackle a four-year-old, would you? That'd be quite, you know, they might do quite well because <laughs> you know they're they're too cute. You, I don't, I can't I can't tackle Timmy. I can't tackle you know little Heather. They need what? to just play the game and not with you know, that attitude. Score that goal, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, certainly cuteness would be an advantage. You'd have all these different advantages um, coming to the fore. And also, you'd have different incentives, like in going to a game. Um, because obviously, with a, with a weight thing, I mean, there's an obesity crisis, as we know. So you could feasibly end up with like four very heavy people on one team and like eight sort of... Mm. Uh, thinner people on the other team so maybe that makes you think a bit like oh i've bought season tickets time to start you know getting into yeah. shape a few months beforehand it's like like getting that beach board you got to get that you got to get football it's... ready to watch just in case or if it's a rugby game you might want to put on a bit of weight get a bit more bulked so that you're ready so you Absolutely don't just get true. flattened by the other the other side yeah but yeah but i was thinking it, it leads to a different sort of um competitions because obviously in in football there's the exchange season where they they buy players from other teams and make all these deals to be like oh who who can we get that's the best players and there'd be some of that if you had a few professionals left but if it was all public or partly public you would try to actively recruit the fittest fans to your team mm-hmm. um or um you try to get the ones that you have to be uh, yeah as, as match ready as possible yes which, yeah, as you said, it could be a great way to motivate people to do some exercise. Or, alternatively, you could take out adverts in the towns and cities of competing teams for unhealthy snacks, uh, sedentary activities, um, mm. you know, really, like, uh, maybe, like, for smoking adverts, um, just to really try and make their athletes' performance as poor as possible, so that rather than you being better, they are, they are worse. You know what? That's that would absolutely happen because there's enough money. You know, unbridled <laughs> capitalism would absolutely exert these pressures. Um, does any of that kind of sabotage happen in the sporting world already, or does everyone just assume? Um, like, I, I guess it would be quite difficult to like beam adverts for you know Domino's directly to your like <laughs> opposing team, and you assume that they're impervious. Their personal trainers and so on will will see to it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I guess the public at large, much more amenable to those targeted <laughs> Facebook ads or what have you. Yeah, you're not just like um, sort of letter bombing uh, their houses with Domino's pizza or um, 
like Big Macs just squeeze through. <laughs> just, just oh, I'm getting all this, this free food. I guess I'll just eat this food that's appeared randomly in front of me. Like yeah. a, Im- imagine a dark sponsorship. You got like the actual sponsor, <laughs> like, you know, like you wear, wear this jersey. Here's your Red Bull or whatever. And then you've got like, hey, you didn't contact us, but we're sponsoring you. Here's lard. Enjoy. <laughs> it's all free. <laughs> And, and the sumo wrestler's like, excellent. This is exactly what I needed. Oh, someone messes up the paperwork somewhere. And uh, yeah, yeah, you don't want that. <laughs> well, look, I love the idea of bringing in um, untrained amateurs because I think fundamentally, a, a lot of this for me um, stems from the philosophy of nerfing athletes mm-hmm. uh, because they've gotten too strong, basically. Uh, if, have you, you've ever looked into... Have we already talked about this? How back in the day... Um, wasn't there a guy who rocked up for the Boston Marathon, like in 1910 or something, uh, and lost his shoes? I think we have touched on this before, yeah. There we go. We've already mentioned it. Basically, back in the day, um, being like at the pinnacle of human fitness was much easier. The bar was just much lower. Same way, as far as I can tell, I mean, dudes like Aristotle, um, I don't want to rag on Aristotle. I'm sure he was, <laughs> you know, okay. Um, but like his job can't have been that hard. I'm pretty sure he was categorizing animals by color. Mm-hmm. And he was like one of the world's foremost experts on practically everything because there was no need to specialize. You just, you know, like you read two books and you were already so far into the top <laughs> percentile of geniuses. Mm-hmm. It was just much, much easier. And and that used to be the case for sports as little as a hundred years ago. But that means now we've had a hundred years of really weird, hyper-specialized Olympics, and we've completely lost the old spirit whereby you had to be uh, just a naked amateur. Yeah. Those are the only people allowed to compete, right? So bring it back. Uh, Maybe you can't... Nakedness or... (laughs) That's a side thing. I don't know. Maybe maybe it makes it better somehow. I'm not... I could go either way. Uh, but more importantly, I appreciate it's difficult to just have amateurs competing at the Olympics. There's there's too many there's too many factors at play. But you can make professional athletes into amateurs by refusing to tell them what they're going to be competing in until the day. <laughs> just right. make up new rules, right? Or like tweak uh... the existing ones. Like you've all trained with, uh, you know, championship standard basketballs. Well, here's the ball you're going to be playing with today. It's a bowling ball. <laughs> or, you know, like we've created a new sport and it's a combination of uh, lacrosse and uh, tightrope walking. So mm-hmm. off you go. Game <laughs> starts in five. So is the idea that everyone has to train in, in everything so that they are an all-rounder. Um, and so, yeah, so that you are ready for any eventuality. That's how it would break down, I think. Yeah, it, it, it would tug us away from this sort of hyper-specialized, like, so what's your deal? Like, you run really good. It's like, oh, I don't run everything really good. I just run really fast for 10 seconds, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, no, none of that. It's silly. Yeah, we want just all-round sports people, athletes in the very generic sense. And yeah, you'd have to get really good at... at the, the more creative they can be with inventing the sports, the better. I like the idea of um, some of them being based off of, like, playground games like designed by children possibly i always come back to how kids could do things better basically there's a lot of creativity there that could be tapped um you know just a lot of stuff that involves bouncing tennis balls off of walls with your hands variants of stuck in the mud uh, things that are confusing to the adult brain fresh and, and new and difficult right and and so all these athletes who are training um what, what would their like training gymnasium look like 
I assume that would be another complicating factor. Just, just like a primary school. <laughs> they all go to school, really they actually. sit on tiny chairs and uh, yeah, have to <laughs> climb ropes in the gym. They have to really get into the spirit of it. It, it depends how far-reaching um, the variation is. Yeah, maybe they don't even tell them like what the Olympic Stadium is going to look like. Uh, you know, it gets built in <laughs> this, secret. This year, it's all underwater. <laughs> You've got to get really good at diving. <laughs> That's exactly where I was going to go with it. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Um, yeah, I, uh, training regimens that... Because they already try to game the system, like, okay, I'm going to train at altitude, you know, because I know the altitude I'm going to be competing at. I'm going to, like, increase the resistance so mm-hmm. that I'm ready. You'd be trying to do that, but with everything. Like, okay, uh, this month I'm, I'm training in all the sports, like I usually do, except I'm going to make everything heavier, just in case they give me <laughs> like a, you know, a shot put made of titanium. And, uh, and, and the next time I'm going to do it with everything that's lighter, just in case. And, you know, just like really mix up those training schedules. Mm. I do like the idea of everything being underwater, though. Like, maybe you'll give them like, um, like masks with a tube up to the surface, so they've got they've got an oxygen supply. Mm. But it's just you know, football's underwater, so everything is so slow. They're all having to wear like weighted shoes to keep them from like floating upwards. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like long jump, I, I don't. It wouldn't even work at all, really. Um, but I, no. I don't know, javelin, because like the, just the resistance would make everything impossible. Which I think would be a really fun challenge for the commentators as well. Hmm. Part of me wants to have um, kindergarten children as the like referees and commentators as well, just for the <laughs> fun factor. Possibly as the coaches. I don't know. Um, but yeah, just generally, it's very... There's a certain routine. I appreciate new things happen in sports all the time and records get broken and all the rest of it. But to a certain degree, you, you get used to what you expect to happen in a season. Uh, mm-hmm. I assume. I don't watch any sports. Uh, <laughs> but this would really mix it up. And yeah, imagine how difficult it's going to be. Like, the guys measuring the long jump, uh, it's like, well, this year it's underwater. Good luck with that. And they have to be like, okay, long jump underwater. I guess we tell them they're not allowed to, like, move their arms. Okay, what if we handcuff them? You know, they have to have, like, that <laughs> planning meeting without ever having trialed it. Yeah. And just, you know, on the day, see how it goes. It has all the the, the fresh vibrancy of live theatre. Like, this might be the night someone fluffs their lines. This might be the Olympics where we discover that underwater sports are stupid and everything gets <laughs> cancelled. Nobody gets any medals. You don't know. Yeah, I like the idea of a theme for the Olympics. Because I think maybe there is, like, a, a, a very subtle theme on the Olympics from year to year. I mean, I guess it's the country that it's based in. It's like this year the theme is Tokyo. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I uh, so. but I'd like to apply a, yeah a more practical theme which has an impact on all of the events. So um, <laughs> so one idea I had was make everything triathlons. Because I like triathlons for a similar idea to what you touched on, is that you have to be a bit of an all-rounder. So, you know, you've got to be good at cycling, running, and swimming. Yeah. You can't just specialise in one. But, so if every sport now has to lead straight into another one, so, and then into another one after that. So I want to see people yes. competing in, like, a four-hour tennis match, only to jump into a car for a Formula One race, and then it's time <laughs> for a rugby match. <laughs> or, or you're, like, running and doing a pole vault onto a bike. And then you're doing like one of the velodrome races and then you're holding a jab, you like snatch a javelin in the last lap. And then at the very end, you have to throw it as far as possible, but like from the bike. Yes, yeah, see how closely you can enmesh them. I love yeah, this. Yeah. 
and try and combine sports that are as as, as opposed to each other as possible mm-hmm. because you can train and get I'm, I'm sure triathlon training is super difficult but like it, to a degree it's a lot of cardio and like being yeah. good with legs you know so you can run and swim and so etc but like they already do this with um you know about chess boxing mm-hmm. yep yeah, they punch each other in the head, and then they play a cerebral game. And then they have to get back <laughs> in the ring, you know? Like, yeah, I want that level of opposition. Yeah, javelin, but from a bike. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I just like the idea of some of the transitions as well. Like, I don't know, you're skiing, and you have to, like, you go down one of the, the ski jumps. Maybe mm-hmm. it's in the Winter Olympics. And then as you're mid-flight, you've got to detach your skis and land in the, the pair of uh, ice skating boots. And then just start, <laughs> just oh, start no. going. <laughs> Oh gosh! I was thinking it was uh, like an opposition of climate. So like you you come off the ski jump, you're tearing off your super warm like winter clothes, <laughs> your helmet and everything. As and you land and you're in your swimsuit, you land in the sweltering sand. It's time for beach volleyball. <laughs> yeah, stuff like or like you've been swimming and then you're playing beach volleyball. So you get absolutely covered in sand. It's really uncomfortable. And then yeah. maybe you're you're wrestling. So it's just yeah, even more uncomfortable than that. Proper endurance events. Yeah, that's another way to deal with the fact that athletes have just gotten too good. In- increase the load by just... It's like, it's like supersets in uh, weight training or whatever. Like, oh, normally you do a set, take a break, do another set. No, no, now you do two sets before you get a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other, the other idea, which would be a good theme for the Olympics, I think, um, or just any, any kind of sports, uh, three-legged races are not yes. done enough. Um, that's something which is very much done in primary school, never mm-hmm. done again, never relevant until you're a parent and you're doing it presumably as part of the like, you know, mum and dad's event. Um, but yeah, if you do that to every sport, I would watch football where all the players <laughs> are connected to a, a teammate and they've oh, yeah. got to like, you know, who are your strikers? Well, we've got, um, it would help if I knew any footballers' names. We've got, <laughs> I was going to say Gareth Southgate. Southgate, he's the manager. Uh, anyway, for some reason he's playing. Southgate is uh, is connected to... Make the to... managers play sometimes. I'm on board. Oh, yeah, that'd be great, actually. Maybe, ah, oh, yeah, the, the managers and all the support staff also rotate in as well. Yes. Uh, if you want to keep it professional, but not like full amateur. But anyway, yeah, like you've got football... Um, where you're joining another player, you could have Usain Bolt competing in a sprint while dragging his like not quite so fast co-athlete behind him. Yes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like swimming. <laughs> swimming would be quite interesting if you're joined by the leg. Um, not quite sure Ooh. how that would work. Or um, you could strap people back to back, and they got to kind of synchronize dolphin style somehow. Or oh, but you'd create have to a sort- turbine you- of whirling arms. Yeah, you'd have. Well, you'd have to turbine so that the other person could breathe. You'd be literally you spinning as you went along. That's amazing. I want to see that now. <laughs> Damn it. Why don't we have any power, Andy? I want to make this happen. <laughs> um, and the last idea that I had for this was wrestling, <laughs> but you're literally joined to your opponent by the leg. Yes. So good. <laughs> and I can picture the controversy when, like, one year a set of conjoined twins, you know, adjoins and, like, nobody knows because they've, like, been clever with the, the way yeah. their, like, costume is stitched together. And then, oh, no, it turns out... They've been training like this their whole life. That's not fair. <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness! Incredible. Ah, just just the the mental image of the 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 <laughs> wrestling. Just four people in a pile, or the <laughs> the swimmers just drilling through the water. This flailing limbs. That's very good. Okay, I've got I've got one to add to that. How mm-hmm. about 
<laughs> it gets a little technological here because okay. you can see i was thinking like technology one way that it helps is um obviously you can compete in like uh you know power armor and stuff you know uh-huh. but that's just kind of a different kind of formula one they're already like let's put a person in a vehicle that goes fast and then they have to control the vehicle that's a concept we have you can have different mm-hmm. vehicles whatever um so not interesting enough okay next what about uh, athletes are too good competing against each other whatever what about competing against your past self is supposed to be like a good healthy thing right like i yeah. you know i don't care about beating the other guy i just want to be stronger than i was yesterday sort of thing so you compete against uh, a robot that has been carefully fine-tuned to be exactly as good as you were last year okay or better yet uh you have a robot that is controlled. Here's where the the, the insane like Frankensteinian uh-huh. chimera element comes in. <laughs> mm-hmm. The mech is controlled by two people. Uh, it's like a quop situation. Did you ever play quop <laughs> or like Octodad? <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Surgeon Simulator. There's all these games where the fact that the controls are terrible is yep. the selling point. And <laughs> so, you... like one each person controls like one leg in this sprint or whatever. Precisely, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's just an absolute mess, and uh, yeah, or somehow you might, because it's kind of on a, spe- like, one person to a leg is nice and easy, but I'm sure there's more complex ways to enmesh the controls here. I also like the idea somehow of giving primary control of the mech suit or of the robot or the hologram or whatever to a rank amateur has no clue. Right. But they've been paired with a professional athlete in a similar way to um, like Strictly Come Dancing where you've got the pro and then the amateur and they've mm-hmm. got to teach them to dance. You get all the frustration and the drama. Similar deal because they're now the <laughs> it's like the co-pilot is the pro and they have to somehow coach this amateur through it. I, I mm-hmm. just want to see a mech like shuddering with with <laughs> conflicting impulses and just you know the professional footballer just yelling down their headset uh at the idiot who is sc- trying to score an own goal yeah this is just remind me of the fact that there was um there was like a series on tv which was like robot olympics or like robot sports and it was great okay. and i don't know what happened to that series because it was like they took robot wars and like Robots fighting, not good enough. We want a vast array of sports like racing and swimming and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the, it, the best bits of it were oh. when they were like clearly terrible robots. They were <laughs> they were so badly designed for the I task. Yeah. yeah, and they would just yeah just shudder and fall over and like or like inch <laughs> across the finish line like ten minutes after everyone else. The absolute best because what I particularly love and I think it has to do with the. This must have been what the early Olympics was like, because it's about the amateur spirit. It hasn't gotten mm. corporate and sponsored and everything yet. So people just do whatever. Like, I I like pink fur. I'm going to cover my robot in pink fur. <laughs> I remember yep. a contestant in Robot Wars that was like that. And mm-hmm. I'm like, fair enough, buddy. But the problem is, there's a bunch of robots out there with flamethrowers. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> like, don't make your thing flammable. That's they got like through a lot of one. pink fur. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But some of them haven't, you know, decided and, and I, I I either saw the same one or a similar one at the Robot Olympics and I remember one of the events was climbing a rope like like you do oh, in yeah. gym mm-hmm. when you're like ten, right? And I remember this like carefully humanoid robot like bending its knees like springs, like boing boing and just like very slowly inching up this thing. <laughs> and then these other guys were just like, Yeah, we put wheels on ours. 
And it just goes <laughs> zip, 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 zip. It's literally just lapping everybody else by orders of magnitude. And it's like, yeah. huh. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Didn't put any limitations on the shape they could be, huh? Mm. Mm. Turns out legs aren't great. Can I just touch back on... I've just thought of another one which would be good on a three-legged race. Please. Um, You mentioned, like, motorised vehicles. So, like, you know uh, there's, like, MotoGP, which is motorbike racing? Mm. Imagine that, but you've got two people whose, legs, <laughs> whose right and left legs are joined together. <laughs> It would be kind of like circus skills, right? Because you get people that do insane, you know, stand on the back of the motorbike and do flips type deals. Mm. It'd be but that have kind to be of just like set. so careful because you both got to go exactly the same speed. Cornering would be mm-hmm. so difficult because the person on the inside has got to slow down more than the person on the outside because they've got to go round. Oh, and now great. it's a competitive sport with people actively trying to mess with you instead of a carefully choreographed routine with everyone collaborating. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Big fan. <laughs> Um, well, on that co- on that topic though, I was thinking for any sport you could make it better by uh, making it more like Mario Kart. So yes, um, for I'm kind of thinking for any sport, the side or the players who are lower ranked or or who are kind of performing poorly in the game, they get various upgrades to increase their chances of catching up. So nice. in, in Mario Kart, me. if you're at the back, you get better power ups so that you can you're more likely to reach the front again. Mm-hmm. So. Um, it would keep the games interesting because, uh, you know, it's it's less like, oh, this team is just much better than the other one and they are clearly going to win. Um, yeah. So it would lead to... It's more fun for the family. Yeah, it would be irritating for the really good teams because suddenly all these really bad people are just like <laughs> yeah. beating them because they've got all these advantages. But um, aren't sports about having fun at the end of the day? You know, shouldn't yeah. we bring that back? Like the spirit of just everyone coming together to kick a ball around and have a good time. I don't think that's what sports are about. <laughs> well, they it's should about be dating the other people. Um, <laughs> but I, it could lead to interesting dynamics, though, because um, let's say your performance in the first half of the game uh, kind of informs what power ups you get in the second half of the game, or you know, Ooh. if you get an extra player, or you get um, I don't know, like if you're on bikes, you might get a faster bike, whatever. So the first half of the game or the race, um, you could try to be as rubbish as possible in the first half in order to get as many power-ups as possible for the second half. Um, which yeah, kind of, it it kind of already happens, in, in a way, with certain... Uh, there's a specific velodrome bike sport, I forget what it's called. But basically, you're doing a certain number of laps, and because people don't want to tire themselves out for the end of the race, they get the incentive is, at the beginning, you go slower. But because everyone's got this incentive, everyone just goes really slowly for, like the vast majority of the race and it's just about everyone kind of like slowly going around this track and then suddenly in like the last five laps everyone goes absolutely insane and just you know kills it um <laughs> for the, for those last five laps so it's kind of a pointless sport i think because the first the, the first 50 laps or whatever are pretty boring to watch and then it all just happens at once it's you like might as well just me do a sprint actual race happens yeah yeah and it's kind of about oh when when are they going to make a break for it and that sort of thing but again, it's that thing of like, oh, well, I'm not going to put in any effort at the beginning because there's no point because I'll be disadvantaged at the end. Yes. But I think you want to keep it fresh because that, to me, is the result of the rules having existed for long enough for people to figure out the the like the optimal way of playing, right? Like in a video game, they would switch things up. They'd introduce new weapons or release new card packs or whatever to, mm-hmm. to switch or new heroes, switch up the meta. Uh, but in sports, it settles tremendously over time. So yeah, I think that's a great idea. I want a situation where 
Uh, I've got a buddy who does um, martial arts and like tactically determining which weight class you want to place in when <laughs> right. you compete is a thing because like you can gain a, you know, if you're like kind of on the edge, mm-hmm. um, then you can be like, okay, I can either try and uh, lose a bit of weight and then be at the upper end of this weight class. And then like, I know how much the other guys are going to weigh, or I can try and gain a bit of weight and then I'll be, you know, tackling guys of this difficulty. Mm-hmm. And I want that, but like not a considered decision, you know, years in the making, or you have a ton of experience. No, you get introduced to the catch up mechanics, like new and fresh. And you've got to be like, Okay, I guess uh, if we slow down a little bit, they give us a bunch of banana skins, I think they said. <laughs> so that might be good. I don't know. <laughs> Is that better than the oil slick? Uh, let's find out. <laughs> All these footballers doing, yeah, doing slide tackles on this oil slick and just going absolutely miles. <laughs> I remember seeing the, like, it was sent around as a meme. I hope it's real. I want it to be real. It had a photo, so it has to be real. Um, it was like a Winter Olympics of I don't know what year where Australia got their first gold medal ever mm-hmm. um, because li- I think it was uh, like ice skating race of some kind. Literally everybody uh, fell over. The Australian right. dude was coming in dead last and then there was some kind of mass pile up. And that's Amazing. exactly what I want to see. I want a situation where like the Australian dude is... is <laughs> skimming around that rink except his arms are laden with like water balloons and <laughs> like whatever the heck else he's allowed to like throw or activate he's got I guess maybe... blow torches just about holes in the ice behind them <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> or i don't know maybe you'd be like granted like little clickers to activate like uh traps in the track that are already mm-hmm. there i don't i don't know how you do it exactly but they can figure it out they're smart people yeah <laughs> well i was also thinking um uh to kind of actually go back to my theme of uh well theme of themes for sports my last one i had for this was hurdles so Mm. why did they invent hurdles in the first place like running is too easy let's add some barriers to that Mm. um but then they just stopped it running why why did they stop it running why not add barriers to other sports so cycling events be much more exciting if you got to like do some sweet bunny hops along the way or like hurdles in swimming where you've got to like dive out of the water and over low bars like a dolphin. Um, Interesting. Like bowling, if you had hurdles. I'm not sure quite how that would work. Maybe if there were little yeah. ramps in the bowling alley. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could somehow add obstacles to the... <laughs> but because it kind of turns into a sort of crazy golf if you start adding ramps and things to the actual alley. Yeah. But in the, in the run-up before you let go of the ball, maybe uh, you have to yeah, go yeah. through some... I'm picturing almost, you know, the Japanese like human Tetris game show with like the thing moving towards you and you've got to uh-huh. make a shape to like... You oh, know, yeah, you yeah, can yeah. figure some sort of contortion you have to go through before you let fly, I think would work quite well. Yeah, or you can like... Um... You've got to sort of like bowl the ball through various tubes and like catch it again as you're running along in order to like get power up. I don't know. Get a boost. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's another one you could somehow combine with something else. Mm-hmm. Like some mm-hmm. kind of. Uh, why don't we make contact juggling, uh, you know, a competitive sport or something? You have to go through this gymnastic routine handling your bowling ball and then eventually let fly and see how many pins you can knock down. Yeah. And you're yeah. ranked on like smoothness. My my favourite hurdles one though was actually um my wife's idea. Uh so thank you, Flora. Uh but this one is bobsled. Mm-hmm. So you know obviously oh, everyone runs along and then like goes down that big ice tube. Mm-hmm. Um but you're sort of like sat in this thing. Um so like bobsled, so you're going like, I don't know, many, many miles an hour, but you've got to like jump over the hurdle as the bobsled goes underneath it. 
and yes. like land back in the bobsled That's and keep going. That's proper wacky racers level yeah. shenanigans, <laughs> and I'm here for it. <laughs> Big fan. Um, all right, look, I I started maybe I started overthinking this, but um, I started thinking about like what is sports? What have what have we what have we got? And I I kind of broke them down into three main categories, and I've probably forgotten a bunch of others. But I feel like sports are either a hitting balls into target areas using either body parts or like primitive tools, you know, <laughs> yeah. sticks or whatever. That, mm-hmm. That's your your golf, your football, your you know, you get a ball, you you put it over there basically. Yeah. Um, or you get uh, straightforward, just like feats of athleticism, you know, run fast, swim fast, lift the heavy thing, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm kind of going to count like driving there because it's like reaction times and stuff. You're either controlling your your human flesh suit um, or, you know, this machine you're in. And then lastly, you get all this simulated combat stuff. And obviously martial arts and whatnot, but also like archery, fencing and like tossing a javelin, you know, etc. I'm pretty yeah. sure that's all sports. I can't think of anything that doesn't fit into that. Nobody correct me. Um, but I was thinking, <laughs> can we just like flip them, basically? Maybe we've been doing it all one way for too long. So what if there are intricate systems set up to direct the balls to a certain place and you have to fight against them? I see. So... Uh, so it's like, it's not your, it's not that you're against a team and they are trying to put the ball in your goal. It's that a system that you're combating is trying to put the ball in your goal. I guess in my head, it just kind of turns into total wipeout or possibly like giant crazy golf. Uh huh. Maybe like human sized versions of these like, uh, silly games that aren't real sports, like, um, foosball or table football, but like mm-hmm. with human players. Is that a thing people do? Did what, I just like, have a weird dream? Strap people to giant poles and, <laughs> I had and play, a, play table football with them. I had a fever dream where that was a type of, you know, like chair football where you hmm. sit on a chair or like the kind with a giant inflatable ball that you roll around. Oh, is that not a thing? Maybe, maybe it is where, yeah, where you, you're actually standing on the ground. You're not like suspended on the, on the bar. But, yeah, yeah. And where you have to like stay to, like, in place maybe. And you've got to be like, if you want to move left, you've got to convince the other three guys on your pole to move left at the same time. Yeah, maybe something like that. I'm getting confused with my original idea, but the original idea was was bad anyway, so it doesn't matter. Let's move on. Uh, Next up, simulated combat. I was like, there's a lot of aggression there. What if instead we had competitive, like, nurturing skills? Mm -hmm. Like uh, gardening, or massage, or flower arranging. And then I realized that I'm pretty sure, like, samurais used to compete in flower arranging and stuff. And I know there are massage competitions, because Fred was doing a massage course and they have competitions. So <laughs> she, She's doing a massage competition. Uh, not yet. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. <laughs> uh, so I guess those already exist, but uh, I'd like to see more of them. But I guess maybe the most interesting one is... Um, so straightforward athletics is, like, we just need to go fast. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about placing obstacles in the way, hurdles and all the rest of it. But not active sabotage by the other team. Because there isn't another team. Normally, there's just other people trying to run fast. Mm -hmm. You have another team for moving the ball around. But in, for example, um, you get it in video games where there's like an asymmetry. Uh, Like in Left 4 Dead, you either play the survivors trying to make it to the end of the level or the infected who have to stop them. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think maybe like creative sabotage is an untapped... Uh, type of sport 
that can be broadly applied. I mean, I would say that that does already exist in the form of, like, cricket or baseball, um, where, you know, there is an asymmetry. You know, you do swap sides um, in the game, but, like, one team is trying to hit the ball out and as far as possible and then get as many runs as possible. The other team is trying to catch them or, like, stop them getting runs. That's true, but this is, once again, like, a move-the-ball-around type of sport with uh-huh. teams. So, yeah, you're right. Any Anywhere where we've got teams competing, sabotage is, is very much baked in. But, for example, in Formula 1, you're all pointed in the same direction. Mm-hmm. There's no scope for anyone to sabotage you. Uh, you just got to go fast, faster than them, beat them on the turns and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But what if it was like, okay, it's your turn to race, but we have given your opponents uh, two hours to mess with the course before you're allowed <laughs> on it, you know? Uh-huh. And then you, tomorrow you get to do the same to them. It's, it's going to be a home alone type situation. There's going to be marbles all over the place. You're going to have to figure it out. <laughs> There's a lot of deaths, but, <laughs> but we think it makes great telly. I guess you'd run into a certain amount of danger, yeah. But uh, I don't know. I, okay, maybe you, you might get more... Uh... <laughs> Less deadly, more comedic results from, like, long jump, but you're allowed to take it in turns to sabotage each other. So <laughs> it becomes fill the pit with spikes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not to mess with the, with the environment, but, like, you're allowed to just attempt to tackle the person. They have to get as far as they can, but you're allowed to try and physically stop them. Right, okay. Yeah. Or, like, um, you can sort of, um, in the sport, you can mess with their gear that they use beforehand... Like, you can make one substitution, and the other team have a chance to, like, try and figure out what you've done, but they only have, like, ten minutes to do that. So, like, uh, you could have put in... You could have given them shoes in football where the spikes retract. So, whereas they had great grip, the spikes retract, they're sliding all over the place. Um, But it's only if they spot that beforehand, they can go, aha, you've you've messed up with my... You've messed with my boots. Then they go, okay, fair cop. But if not, they've just got to go with it. They're not allowed to replace them, like, call no. time out. No. Yeah, that's great. It becomes a combination of that Japanese game show where something in the room is made of chocolate and you've got to find <laughs> yeah. it in time. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. You could even, yeah, you could layer elements of sabotage. Like, they've done one thing to mess with your equipment. You have 10 minutes to find it. Like, oh, mm-hmm. no, okay, guess you're going out into the field with what you've got. They've yeah. also had 10 minutes to mess with your side of the field. Oh, what is it? Oh, you don't know. <laughs> Turns out, you know, the sprinklers have been left in. Oh, they're turning on halfway through the match. <laughs> you're getting soaked. Oh, Sorry, I had a great combo with that, which I just thought of would be um you make their you replace all their kit with like water soluble fibers <laughs> so, oh, so yeah. if it's like maybe the sprinklers turn on or it starts raining and they're just their kit just dissolves <laughs> and, so, and so they've got to like make a decision like right do we keep going if we do keep going how do we tell who's who from a distance because <laughs> there's no numbers anymore that's yeah everyone's just equally naked or covered in like a weird sludge it's like a very extreme form of like the shirts on shirts off team uh, from when we used to, you know when you play football in the park yep 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 no i like that that's very good yeah maybe you could combine uh kind of the escape room like fast and furious ah find the clue sort of mania Mm. Um, and you know rig up some cameras in the like changing rooms and stuff Uh, that sounds really creepy but you know what I mean like somehow (laughs) make that accessible to the spectators (laughs) but yeah like the mania of like ah trying to figure it out or like they used to do with scrap heap challenge where it's like go 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 you got to build a you know build a uh, oh you've got to build your own rowing boat and then and then race in it yeah and then you got the race element exactly yeah like the the panic 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 and then the competition I think that's a strong formula yeah I also just thought, what if, because um, you're talking about like subverting common theme, um, common sports kind of 
trends. Uh, so you could have it where it's always team on team or individual on individual. What if it's team on individual? So oh, David and Goliath style. Wait, yeah, what? like no, just Goliath versus the opposing army style. I guess so. Yeah, like um, so it's a bit like piggy in the middle or something in football, where you know you you've got to intercept the ball as people just pass it between themselves, but it's just one guy. Um, <laughs> just I don't bullying know how you, the sport. I don't, <laughs> kind of, yeah. I don't know how you'd apply that. Like, what you could make it so that it was fair to have a team of people against one person. Well, I think we've we've either danced around this or talked about it directly, um, where it would be fun to just have a pro versus a, a bunch of uh, worthless oh, amateurs. Oh, yeah, that would be good. And it would give... I, I think I've already seen memes that are like, uh, petition to have every future Olympics have just one amateur competing alongside the pros, just as a yep. point of comparison, one normal human being, so we know how fast they're actually going. Yeah. <laughs> but even more fun in... Uh, yeah, like running, okay, you just got this one, like wheezing like smoker <laughs> miles behind everybody else fine that's funny but even better in a situation like you know basketball where like the single pro is you know like a meter taller than everybody else uh-huh and, just, and actually yeah, just knows how bouncing to dribble it around all of them <laughs> yeah that'd be great to watch yeah my last idea uh was um animal olympics so oh. you get various creatures from different countries and they compete on all the usual Olympic sports that they can feasibly do. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the animal has to come from the country which is submitting it. And it is, you know, it's literally been taken from that country and they've gone, this is our athlete. Um, so suddenly <laughs> countries begin to care a lot more about their biodiversity because yeah. they need to preserve their stock of athletes. You know, if you've only got three pandas, you've got three pandas to choose from in the um, <laughs> climbing competition. I don't know. Uh, pandas but... aren't particularly good at anything if the no. internet gifts or anything to Yeah, that's by. true. Okay, let's say gazelle <laughs> for sprint or whatever. Or like high jump, you know, you want gazelle. So mm. if you've only got three, they're not going to do well. You want a, a plentiful stock. Yeah. Um, so rewilding gets a big boost. You know, England famously doesn't have much biodiversity because we've killed it all with industry and, mm. you know, centuries of uh, neglect. Um, so you might be like, ah, we need to get, you know, we need to get more of our uh, original megafauna back so that we can compete in these events. We need those um, bears. But then maybe invasive species become an issue because every country then tries to establish, like, breeding populations of elephants <laughs> for the wrestling or, yeah. or gazelle for, yeah, for the high jump. You'd quickly, like, pick the best animal at each thing and yeah. then be like, God damn it, I know we're in Alaska, but we need <laughs> giraffes. They're the only ones you have a hope at. Okay, I, I don't know what giraffes would be good at. <laughs> They'd be good at... Um... Something where you have to reach up tall. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Long jump. <laughs> Pole vault. They just use the necks. Um... Yeah. <laughs> they could flip over somehow. I don't know. <laughs> you could train them. It'd be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so That's yeah. a great idea. Okay, I love it because my final idea also involved um, getting all of the energy um, that goes into... So I want to talk for a second about a rat, a very special rat. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got pet rats, as you know, and they uh, are kind of smart, kind of not. And <laughs> they, to be fair, I don't think this is an intelligence thing. I think it's just the way they're wired. We suspect, without having done any research, maybe you know. Um, that they get an energy boost when they're hungry or when they think food is near. Okay. Because they become ir- like nonsensically erratic when food- <laughs> when feeding time approaches. 
Right. Uh, obviously, animals get very excited when it's dinner time, and that's understandable. You know, your your dog will start hanging out near the kitchen or near their food bowl or just watching you intently to see when you go for it sort of thing. Mm-hmm. These rats are climbing all around the cage and there's three of them so they will (laughs) they climb the bars like little monkeys and they will be like oh maybe if i go to this corner uh the human (laughs) will pay attention and then the other rats will be like he's going to that corner there must be food and they will follow him (laughs) and then reach the corner and just smush him and then there will be like a squeaking tussle and then they'll be like no no food in this corner right back to the other corner and they will do this for as long as you let them and wow. until you feed them. And one of them keeps breaking away from the pack to jump, hop, hop, hop into uh, this running wheel and then run, 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 and then stop. And then hop, 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 jump back on the bars and continue. And right. either he thinks running on the wheel is going to generate treats mm. or our suspicion is he's trying to burn off just, you know, the, the fire within Uh, prompted by the knowledge that food is close Uh, he's just you know full of adrenaline Mm -hmm. and applying that to a broader society a human uh, human population we pour a lot of energy and effort into sports uh, which have some benefits people enjoy them uh, physical health you know social cohesion to a degree yada yada Mm -hmm. um but also in a very real sense a lot of that energy is wasted because it doesn't matter where the ball goes um you're gonna put it in a box at the end of the match and take it home you know Mm -hmm. yeah so what if we harness that energy for a noble purpose and for example have competitive beach cleaning competitions or you know or I, I couldn't actually think of very many more, except I was <laughs> I was interested in um, building the because some sometimes uh, building the Olympic Stadium turns out to be like a huge boondoggle, it like bankrupts mm. a country, or like it turns out they're using like borderline slave labor and it's a terrible civil rights issue and it makes them international. You you know what? And it's just a bummer, basically. Um, so why not make the athletes build it <laughs> as a sport? Right, okay. Yeah, a really long sport that is the the preview to the actual Olympics. Yeah, and it's you could it wouldn't have to be super long because you'd compress it as much as possible. Have you seen Parks and Recreation? No. Okay, I'm going to make an obscure reference. It doesn't matter to anybody. Okay. Um, <laughs> a few years ago. Maybe some people have seen it. It's a popular sitcom. Anyway, they have... Uh, there's one episode where they join this uh, program called i think it's called kablam and they build uh parks or they build like children's playgrounds in parks and it's uh it's ah god it's so annoying like the kablam guy comes round and he's got his headset and his megaphone and his t-shirt that says like kablam and a big like pop art logo and he's all like is everybody ready to kablam today one two three kablam it you just need the kablam spirit you know (laughs) and they're like okay so we're going to build this park in, like, one day. And he's like, yeah, you just got to kablam it. And they're like, okay, but what about all these, like, problems and setbacks? And he's like, that's not the right attitude. You see a problem and you just kablam it. So it turns out, spoiler alert for anybody who's halfway through the episode as we speak, um, it turns out there is no such organization. He's just an eccentric billionaire uh, who (laughs) takes a day off every couple of months to just, like, uh, fool a town into building a park like a kind of a flash mob thing right <laughs> and i think we could fool a load of like very fit healthy people into building a giant stadium very quickly yeah 
I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's, I'm not sure it's a foolproof plan. Well, that you'd make it competitive somehow. You'd have yeah. judges, you know, like expert construction workers and architects and stuff. I'm not expecting to come out of it with a perfect stadium, but the the process isn't perfect as it is. Are they all using their like their athletic specialisms to? build the stadium so like are they like transporting um materials down river just like pulled by shoals of swimmers <laughs> and you know they've got to put the um the kind of joining bolts in so the javelin throwers line up and they throw these enormous bolts through and they latch them together uh the discus i don't know, I don't know what they what their purpose would be um but yeah they we'd find one yes 100 percent. it is like the end of the family movie where it turns out there was no reason to fight all along mm. you guys were competing you just needed to bring your skills together and the true you know treasure was the friends you made along the way and they all just perfectly synchronize or it's like a marvel film you know yes. the end the end bit where they're fighting off hordes of things except they're exactly. all using their specialist superpowers to uh to build this stadium 100 percent. Yeah. yeah 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 and similarly uh like i don't i don't think a lot of thought needs to go into it it just works out in the end like the incredible imbalance of powers in the x-men or whatever it doesn't matter <laughs> just give them all cool jumpsuits and let them loose yeah <laughs> like the, the the workers who've lost their jobs because they've been replaced by Olympians are just like <laughs> sadly looking on as all the weightlifters just like <laughs> lift up an just entire like iron girder, <laughs> just like two of them and like just calmly walk in. <laughs> yep. Well, you flip it and then you let the construction workers compete in the stadium afterwards. Brilliant. <laughs> they, they'd love that. And Not they get all. all the sponsorship deals as well. And uh, yeah. all the Olympians are on uh, minimum wage. Yeah, it cranks us back to a, a previous idea where you just have to rotate jobs every month. Uh-huh. A, f- a fairer society for all. Adriano, we're doing another segment which we know and love, and I'm sure the listeners are delighted to have return. Mm-mm. It is Hyperfake Calls. Um, oh, and yeah. this, this week's edition is um, the the title which which you came up with? All, all credit to Adriano for this. So one. proud <laughs> is is docu make believe because um, we're doing it about documentaries. Uh, so for anyone who doesn't know, the basic premise of Hyperfakicals is we each uh, take lists of uh, things. In this case, documentaries. Uh, one or two of them are fake, we've made up, and uh, the rest are real. And we have to first of all make up what we think they might be about, and second of all guess which one is indeed fake. Um, so yeah, well, we'll see how it goes, I guess. Um, we've kind of both got quite good at guessing what each other's are. So we'll Too see good, that, I would say. Yeah, we'll see if that trend continues this time. But, Let's um, see. Yeah, fingers crossed that we might actually fool each other a little bit this time. Uh, I so, hope yeah. so. Do you want to kick it off? Certainly do. I've got two fakes for you, so I'm going to be, I'm going to be splitting mine. Okay. Um, so I'm going to give you a list of four. Mm-hmm. One of these is fake. Okay. And uh, so I'm going to give you a title and a release year, and you're going to tell me what it's about. Okay. Um, so we have A Dog's Day in Court, 2002. <laughs> 2002, okay. Um, I guess this would be about a dog who gets appointed to the New York bar. Bark, yes. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> and this, this sounds more like a movie, but anyway. Um, he and... passed the bark exam or whatever <laughs> would be the tagline. <laughs> he did. Um and uh yeah so he's um 
somehow he becomes a lawyer because he uh it, they made it multiple choice for him and he just barked the right to uh, the right letters you know is it a b c or d and he barks three times c is correct and uh, so he got through and it's him and his first client and they're both really nervous and um it's basically about how the client who's uh, on trial for murder gets off because they all just found the dog so cute and were really <laughs> distracted from all the evidence of which there were there were piles and the client's a cat <laughs> so they also yes. have to get over that you know there's like a racism element uh-huh. we all learn a valuable lesson yeah, yeah. fantastic got it in one and obviously. the dog wears a li- that, one of those little wigs even though they don't wear them in America <laughs> but the dog was so excited and nobody you know could bear to disappoint yeah <laughs> absolutely uh, what type of dog is it in your mind in my mind it's a golden retriever oh that's a good one I was thinking um, I guess I was thinking a Labrador fairly similar yeah Okay, yeah, similar deal. All right. <laughs> but but now that I think about it, a chihuahua would also be good as well. They're just like so angry. You know, the objection would be... Yeah. Anyway, all right, we can talk about dog beats for a while. Uh, <laughs> we'll find out later which one it actually was. All right. Uh, second one. Perfect bid, 2019. Perfect bid. Mm. Um, I'm guessing it's about auctions. Uh, it's what I would immediately think. Um... Uh, what would it be on though? I guess it would be about like someone who is just really obsessed, like almost like a billion eccentric millionaire or billionaire who's like obsessed with auctions, and like maybe he moves into a town and just starts like outbidding everyone for literally everything, like stuff he doesn't need or want, <laughs> um, like just random stuff. And so like it starts off with the town's inhabitants being really frustrated because all the stuff that they want is just going to this guy like an endless black hole. Like just he absorbs it all. But then it maybe He's just starting all- auctions like where there isn't even one. He just shows yeah. up for a yard sale with his paddle and just starts buying everything out of people's hands. Yeah, it's just like how he like abuses his power to be like, I'll bid you this much for, you know, um <laughs> your, your dog. Or- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and just like people start like going along with it until they start like just submitting random things that they don't want. Like they just like it's like a town wide yard sale and he is buying everything from them and so he makes this whole town rich and it's it's the sort of weird dynamic that happens there ah, and we learn about trickle down economics and how the wealthy can really help us prosper. <laughs> and yeah and how trickle down economics definitely works it is a great great thing wonderful <laughs> sponsored by ronald reagan <laughs> yes <laughs> still kicking brilliant okay yes uh next we've got the Act of Seeing with One's Own Eyes from 1971. Okay, 1971. Oh, it's probably mm. going to be really weird if this is a real one. Um, <laughs> anything made then, it's just like, all bets are off. Uh, it's about an optician who... Um, oh, it, it's an optician who gets blinded and... Um, so obviously, you know, he loses his sight, but also his profession and, um, he starts to enter the, uh, occult and becomes more sort of spiritual. And it's about his awakening spirituality as he, as although he's lost his sight, he can, he sees more of the world around him and all the different, um, complexities, which he'd missed before because he was so driven by his profession. Blinded in a different way. Yeah. I love it. Very good. All right. Uh, and he, he, was probably, he was probably on Mushrooms as well at the time. Because <laughs> it was the 70s. <laughs> as was the director of the film. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's a whole thing. 
Wonderful. Okay, good job, good job. Uh, last one for this lot. Um, it is simply The Wolf Pack, 2015. The Wolf Pack. Mm. This is one of those ones where it's 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 almost too on the nose. It's too easy. Mm-hmm. Because I could very easily say it's about wolves and they live in a pack and a guy goes and studies the pack. Uh, but I'm not going to do that. It's <laughs> Not you. You're no, a professional. It's about the band Wolfpack, which I think is a band. Ooh, I'm prepared to believe it. Um, and they, I think they're known for being like really, I didn't know that's Rammstein. I don't know. Are they known for being really loud or am I, is that someone else? Anyway. Why not? Uh, Go it, for it. It's, it's about them and they are um, just hanging out as a band and it's about all the trials and tribulations. It's a standard documentary about a band um, and it's fairly bland. All right. A bland documentary about a band. Yeah. A bland band. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Nice. Okay. So is this a bit where you tell me what they actually, the, the synopses are? I forget the order in which we do things every damn is. time, but that sounds about <laughs> right. Let's go for it. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So um, as ever, this is kind of chopped together and paraphrased from like Wikipedia and IMDb uh-huh. and whatever. Um, uh, and obviously one of them is made up. So spot which one that is. So mm-hmm. we're starting with A Dog's Day in Court. So, as late as the early 20th century, animals were taken to court across Europe and the US for destroying crops. I didn't know this, but for destroying crops, killing farmers, or even in one chimpanzee's case, smoking a cigarette in public. Uh, (laughs) So, isn't that great? I'm I'm learning all the time on this program. Mm -hmm. Uh, A Dog's Day in Court, set in 1921 San Francisco, covers the high-profile trial of a dog who risked the death penalty for killing 14 cats. Right. Okay. That, I know, right? Dark stuff. Yeah. So that is a dog's day in court. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have Perfect Bid. This one is about a super fan of the game show The Price is Right, who spent a lifetime uh. analyzing retail price tags in case he was ever called up from the studio audience. Wow. Uh, and apparently the film explores how he became uh, adept at recording and memorizing the prices of products featured on the show since its debut in 1972, and it culminates in him helping a contestant place a perfect bid, um, which ends in one of the biggest controversies in uh, game show history, because I guess Ooh. that's unusual. Oh, I bet that's, yeah, I bet that's good. I, mm. Yeah, I hope that's real. That sounds like it's real. I think that <laughs> one probably is. All right, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I can neither confirm nor deny, but I will tell <laughs> you that the act of seeing with one's own eyes, that is uh, described as one of the most direct confrontations with death ever recorded on film. Oh, brilliant. Mm. Good. Yeah, oh, buckle in. This documentary is a non-narrative audio-visual document of the lifeless human body. Oh. Mm -hmm. Occasionally zooming in on the dead bodies in a morgue, uh, the film also covers the extraction of organs from the body during autopsy. Um, Its focus on the carnal body devoid of any human significance makes an abstract statement on the futile process of life and death. I don't like that one. (laughs) Well, maybe you don't have to watch it because maybe it isn't real. Um, If it is real, you do have to watch it. If it's not real, you have to make it. Those are the rules. I don't make them. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay. Finally, we have the wolf pack. 
uh, confined to their apartment in a Manhattan housing project for 14 years by parents uh, terrified of the world outside their door, uh, these seven siblings developed an understanding about life through movies, and the Wolfpack depicts their attempts to cope with reality after finally emerging from their involuntary exile. Ooh, these are good. Mm. Thank you. I mean, so that's, apart that's from the third four. one, that one's horrifying. But uh, <laughs> the others sound interesting. Could be really interesting. You don't know. Maybe you're supposed to watch it on shrooms. Maybe that makes it better. I don't I, know. I, I, don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I think that would make it much worse. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is a danger of making that a very bad trip, actually. <laughs> uh, wow. Okay. So we've got, um, yeah, dog being tried for murder. Correct. We've got, what's the second one? Uh, Price is Right. Uh, Price is Right, guy. Yeah, um, the, the death the, one. Correct. And the uh, seven siblings confined to a house for 14 years finally emerge. I'm going to say a dog staying caught is the fake. Oh, you're too good. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. That's not fair. The streak continues. Let's see if it can be broken in your second round. What gave it away? Because the story is real. Oh, is it? Yeah, there isn't a documentary about it, but I found uh, a newspaper story like, from sneaky. 1921. I think it was the fact that you used the phrase set in, as in it was set in 1921, uh, rather than, you know, because otherwise they'd have observed it. And also it's like, how many heard. documentaries were they making in 1921? Probably not that many. Well, it was made in 2002 and about oh, an I old see, thing. Oh, I see. That was the idea. Uh, Gosh dang it. Foiled by my, my poor writing. But <laughs> if any listeners do want to look it up, fascinating story. The dog was called Dormy. Uh, that is like Dormouse, but it ends in IE. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he was like... It was like the dog escaped and killed a bunch of neighborhood cats and that was illegal um, and could result in the dog being put down. But also like the dog's owner was held responsible and there was a whole political thing where like he was a used car salesman that no- nobody liked <laughs> the, or something. The so they really wanted to kill his dog. <laughs> yeah, the dog sold a lot of really bad cars. He was dishonest. <laughs> and honestly, yeah, this comeuppance was a long time coming. Anyway, it was an interesting newspaper article. So uh, yeah, people can Google it if they like. Mm-hmm. I'm fascinated by the other ones as well, though, especially the last one. The wolf pack. Yeah, I know, yeah. right? Wild. God. Yeah. Imagine the like the picture of the world you would build up through movies. I'm also, I'm really curious about how it would go in real life, because I feel like I've seen various fictional settings where, like, um, you know, it, you're kept in the apocalyptic bunker watching old, you know, films and building up mm-hmm. a picture of humanity, and you're told, like, there's nothing out there but wasteland, and then, you know, oh, it turns out there's there are other things out there besides wasteland, but... But people are never as psychologically messed up as I expect they would be in mm. that kind of scenario, and I I wonder. Yeah, right. Okay, shall I shall I do some of mine? Please. Okay. So yeah, I've only got five, so I'm going to do them all in one in one blast. And there's one fake in here. One so, fake. A bit right. harder for you. I'm ready. Okay. First up, I don't have years on mine. Sorry, I didn't realize. Uh, That's that okay. A, the years are senseless. I don't know why I read them out. There's no need. <laughs> okay. The first one is called. Under the surface. Mm. Oh my goodness. Okay, I uh, just... It's all mermaids in my head immediately. Uh, <laughs> okay, under the surface. Yeah. Yeah. In my mind, it's one of these, like, searching for Bigfoot type dealios. Mm-hmm. It's about... But I want... I think the, differenti- the differentiating factor... Um, I would love to be utter confusion because 
normally I feel like they focus on... I haven't seen many, like, cryptid-based TV shows, to be fair, so I could be wrong. But I feel like they normally focus on, um, uh, like, a very well-established one, like Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talk about, like, here's all the different views people have and we'll interview a few people and so on. Or they're like, this specific guy uh, has been trying to find aliens in this specific piece of woodland for the last 20 years. Let's go find out what his deal is sort of thing mm-hmm. and you get his perspective under the surface is a generic enough title that i want it to to seem focused to begin with like you're talking about this this team of you know determined amateurs who are convinced they've seen evidence of mermaids in this lagoon um but you gradually just drift into uh like other stuff that people think lives beneath the waves now it's about newt people and then this other person thinks the moon landing was actually filmed in the marianas trench and you know it just it covers all the bases everything people believe about what's going on under the water mm-hmm. that's what it's about just very wide ranging exciting yeah i'd watch that i would too actually i feel like i'd learn a lot yeah it would be good filming in the marianas trench as well <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> be a challenge. Well, no, the irony is um they film the scenes in the trench on the moon <laughs> <laughs> the documentary itself is faked on the moon god <laughs> It just levels. How deep does it, how deep does the conspiracy go? Okay, second one for you is called "Married to the Eiffel Tower." Oh man. Okay, I think I know what this is actually about. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go in a different direction. I think this is okay. about people who marry buildings because I've heard mm-hmm. of this phenomenon. And I think it's fantastic. Um, I'm going to go a different way. So. Have you seen um, Finding Neverland, I think, got adapted into a stage musical? Have you seen it? Oh, no, I didn't know that. Okay, great. I haven't either, but I have listened to some of the songs on Spotify, and uh, it it seems like it follows the theme of, like, visionary... It's always a visionary man um, who is like, i got to pursue my dream of making this you know stage play about Peter Pan or whatever, and everyone thinks I'm crazy and it's never going to work, but i got, I got to do it. i got stars in my eyes. And, you know, the long-suffering wife who is just like, please, you're tearing this family apart. Just, mm-hmm. you know, get a real job or what... You know what I mean? Like, it's always... you got to choose between, like, your, your, oh, your head's always in the clouds. you got to choose between your dream or the people you care about sort of thing. Uh... I'm getting lost. What was the title again? (laughs) (laughs) It's Married to the Eiffel Tower. Thank you. Okay, yes. Um, I want it to be, yeah, about the guy who, uh, Monsieur Eiffel, I assume, um, who planned and built the Eiffel Tower. I want it to be how, like, it was his crazy dream to make this big iron triangle (laughs) <laughs> and all his loved ones are like, no, you can't. It's too tall. It's stupid. I don't like it. Apparently, the French didn't like... Did you know this? The the French hated the Eiffel Tower. Oh, really? Yeah. It was built for, like, um one of these, like, grand expositions, you know, like the, oh, the yeah, world like the world, Yeah, the World Fair or whatever it was. Exactly. One of these dealios. You know, like, the wonders of the modern age, like, constructions built entirely of iron, straight up to the clouds, this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone was like, ah, oh, it's ugly, it's gaudy, it's so modern, Ooh, where's all the curly stone bits? Don't like it. Tear it down <laughs> once the exhibition's done. Uh, and, it, and, and it was supposed to have a shelf life, like the London Eye. Uh, it was meant to last five years or whatever and then, like, tear it down. But then they were like, you know what, it's kind of cool, leave it. And now, can't get enough. Every Hollywood film, always a view of the Eiffel Tower. Uh, <laughs> Regardless of where it's set, it, from New York, <laughs> Eiffel Tower. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Berlin, Eiffel Tower. Yeah, why not? <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah, it's about this guy and how, like, his 
wife divorces him because he's too obsessed with his building project and in order to prevent the project getting cancelled like for legal reasons so that the fair can go on uh, <laughs> he actually has to marry it right um, like for tax purposes <laughs> and because then if uh, they try to take it down it's murder yeah exactly it's just like get him embroiled in the paperwork just long enough for the, the you know the world fair to come and go and mm-hmm. yeah and there's a lovely ceremony like on top of the tower <laughs> biggest dress you've ever seen so yeah just incredible <laughs> the train actually covers like most of paris <laughs> it goes out to versailles it's, it's really long yeah <laughs> okay uh next one then um it's called a call from joy bubbles oh wonderful okay <laughs> that's it <laughs> no i love it i love it i love it i love it okay great where this goes in my head is there's a type of surreal meme um that involves, uh, goodness, like, mystical, like, like, mystical artwork of, like, portals opening and, like, people emerging from, you know, from, from, like, wrens in space or, like, behind planets or whatever, but the caption is, like, hello, we've been trying to reach you about your uh, car's extended warranty or whatever, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and the gag is just, like, how persistent uh, some of these businesses or scammers are in trying to get in touch with you, um, and I like the idea that Joy Bubbles is a completely uh, happy, chirpy, innocuous, like, after-school club for kids or something. Mm-hmm. Like, a completely, you know, like, you can be like, ah, oh, insurance is a scam. God, oh, those guys are just out to make money or whatever. But, like, Joy Bubbles is just trying to make kids happy, but they won't stop. Like, you, you get, <laughs> like, the, you know, the, the slightly frazzled mother of three, like, gets the call the first time. She's like, sorry, I got to wash their gym uniforms before. I just, I don't have time to talk. I'm sorry. I'm not interested. And they're like, okay, that's fine. Have a joyful day. And then, yeah. you know, for the phone, I click. But then they call again later that evening. And, you know, and she's like, I already said, and they're like, oh, I'm sorry, I'll make a note. We're real sorry about that. Have a joyful night. Bye bye. And then, and they keep calling. And then she starts getting the call to like numbers that they shouldn't have. But like, they know that, you know, they phone the Mm -hmm. phone box outside her house, but they know it's her when she answers. And then eventually she's getting messages like, you know, hamburgers. And uh, (laughs) it's just the inescapability of, mm-hmm. of joy bubbles it's like a multi-level marketing scheme but the the thing they're marketing is like joy for kids <laughs> it's never <laughs> properly explained what the product is no <laughs> yeah oh, very good the more surreal the better okay next one uh is called the ghost trains of old england oh okay well that sounds like another cryptid dealio where they just talk about like haunted trains so that's cool but it's got to be a twist to it uh ghost trains of old england so i'm thinking maybe instead of it being about haunted trains it's about trains that are ghosts (laughs) so it's a deep exploration of uh now wasn't there god am i am i making is this a nightmare i had am i making up (laughs) internet memes again i I think I remember reading about um, a really dark uh, episode or book. I think it might have been a book of Thomas the Tank Engine Mm -hmm. that was about, like, trains getting scrapped. Have we talked about this before as well, where one of them gets walled in? Yes. Yes, we have. Thank you for reminding me. (laughs) Okay, good. Turns out there's only a dozen things in the world (laughs) who just cycle through them. (laughs) These sports transport and trains getting walled up alive. (laughs) Um, okay. <laughs> Great. That was real. Good. 
Yes, okay, so ghost trains. Uh, yes, it's about people who have cracked the code and figured out how to communicate with ghosts, but exclusively train ghosts. And it's a deep dive into the horrible ways in which trains have been essentially put to death over the centuries because <laughs> uh, right. nobody cared. Like, yeah, these ones were just left to rust slowly in the rain. Like, these ones were taken apart and cobbled onto other trains. Oh, it's Frankensteinian horror, you know, etc. Um, and uh, various, you know, ambiguous um, seances with their alleged ghosts that communicate mainly through whistles <laughs> and sort of chuffing noises. <laughs> And the elaborate like narratives. The, um, like the flags or whatever in old train stations which go up when there's a train coming. Yeah, they're like looking at the smoke off the incense or whatever. And yet, look, look, the way it calls here, that's like <laughs> semaphore. And just like, yeah, okay, I kind of see it, I guess. And, uh, you know, talking about how like how, how mean their conductor was and how they never got enough coal, etc. Excellent. <laughs> okay, and the last one is uh, The Art of Walking Into Doors. <laughs> That's too good. That that is I would I wonder at what point I would get bored of a film that was just clips of people walking into doors <laughs> because I feel like you could you could mix it up. There's so many ways. There's like the there's like someone's holding the door open for you and then just as you start to walk through it like you turn your head because someone calls your name but then they they let go of the door yeah. and you don't notice or there's like the the automatic door opens but you didn't you you misjudged which side was opening and you walked to the glass and yeah the, and or like so, it's a put it's a push pull mechanism and you, you did the wrong one yeah or just the door's too clean you think there's nothing there and then it was a you know uh or and sometimes it would be people trying to push on doors which turn out to be already open you know you think it's glass <laughs> and it is and they fall through like there's so much variance so mm. Gosh, maybe it is just that, just like a compilation of yeah, five hour loop. (laughs) (laughs) Either that or like um a fast like sometimes you get um you get documentaries about people with unusual uh, illnesses or disabilities or conditions, and maybe someone just has like a perfect storm, like you get people with face blindness and it makes like reading expressions very difficult. but this one is somehow, like, why would it apply only to doors? And yet somehow there's some perfect storm of, a, like, sight impairments and psychological factors that come together to just make it really difficult for a person to interact with doors. And so you just get a view into the struggles of their daily life and the special gadgets that they've had to employ. And now they have a service dog who figures out doors for them. So, you know, it's got like a happy ending to it. But before that, they had to like poke every door they come across with like a spring on the end of a stick just to, you know, etc. <laughs> oh, excellent. Okay. So shall I give you some synopses of these? Please. Okay. So um, under the surface, this documentary begins as a lighthearted glimpse into the lives of James and Liam Braithwaite, who make their living as magneteers. Workers paid by local councils to fish through the canals and rivers of England with powerful magnets to remove shopping trolleys, bicycles, debris, and other dangerous or otherwise inconvenient items. Hmm. However, as James and Liam begin work on a particular stretch of the Ashton Canal, they start receiving anonymous threats through the post to stop their magneteering, which only makes them wonder, what is there to hide under the surface? Oh man, your blurbs are much more elaborate than mine. (laughs) That's a magneteer is such a fantastic job title. Mm. The three magneteers would also have been okay. There's, <laughs> yeah, there's two only, of them. only two of them. <laughs> Get a third in, and I mean, I'm sure that would have made much more at the box office. 
Okay, strong. Okay, Let's hear the next, next one. Next one. I, you've obviously you have heard of this phenomenon. So, uh, married to the Eiffel Tower. This documentary covers the lives of a group of women who are in love with large objects. They believe the relationships are reciprocal and that they can telepathically communicate with the objects. For example, I didn't know that. That's so good. <laughs> uh, Maisho is married to the Eiffel Tower. She has a passion for inanimate objects, and her mission is to fight the stigma surrounding the disorder and create a global network of sufferers. Like Amy, in love with the church organ, and Elijah Rita, who married the Berlin Wall. In this compelling documentary Amazing. about objectum sexual disorder, the characters describe just what it's like to be in love with a highly public structure. That must bring all kinds of unique challenges. Yeah. Because hundreds of tourists climb the Eiffel Tower every day. Like, how do you feel about that? Is that okay? I guess you've got to have an open relationship, don't you? To a degree, yeah. Or I guess, I mean, maybe the climbing just isn't anything. It doesn't matter. Like, you know, your spouse talks to people. You're not going to stop them. That would be abusive, right? Mm. But if the Eiffel Tower starts telepathically communicating with anyone else, that's emotional cheating. We can't have it. Yeah. Mm. I just feel sorry for Elijah. Who married the Berlin Wall? I was going to say, was that pre or post, <laughs> like bringing it, it down? It must be pre, right? Well, who knows though? You know, like um, back in the day, being a divorcee meant you were like ruined, right? Mm-hmm. Or you know, if you'd already had a pregnancy, then like you're you're a fallen woman. No one's going to marry you now, sort of thing. Maybe being a wall that you know used to divide a nation under <laughs> fascism <laughs> and was brought down, and now it's, uh, I say fascism. That's not correct at all but um <laughs> communism yeah that's the one <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh and was brought down like maybe that's you know we all have our baggage stuff happens in everyone's life whatever you're still a, a strong beautiful wall that deserves love yeah I, uh, there are yeah there are a few parts of the berlin wall still standing are there yeah yeah with like graffiti on them and stuff you can go okay. I, I visited it a few years ago went into railing right right um, okay mm, so a call from joy bubbles this is a fascinating look into the moving life story of Joe Ingressia, also known as Joy Bubbles. A blind boy with an IQ of 172 and perfect pitch, he Whoa. became obsessed with telephones, which led him to discover phone freaking, an act that allowed him to keep phone lines open simply by whistling the right tones. The result? What? Free phone calls to anywhere in the world and instant popularity on student campus. Turns out he wasn't the only phone freak around, and Joe soon found himself at the centre of a subculture on a collision course with the phone company. That is amazing. <laughs> that's like a that's a superhero thing. Like yep. phone freak is some you know some teen's <laughs> alter ego. Mm-hmm. If you made this up, that's amazing. <laughs> I want it to be real. That's very good. Okay, next one. Ghost Trains of Old England. Mm. New Haven Marine is a station which is technically open and is served by one train a day, but the station is behind a locked fence and passengers are forbidden to board the train, which does not appear on any timetable. The company offers to provide a taxi service to any passenger in possession of a valid ticket, but it is impossible to buy a ticket. This documentary investigates the phenomenon of Britain's ghost trains, which run quietly and often completely empty for the sake of avoiding formal line closure. Oh, what? <laughs> what? Yep. These are all too good. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, us watching these documentaries after this, I think. <laughs> That's absolutely fine. Yeah, that, that's incredible. Okay, I'm pretty sure... Well, I know the phenomenon of marrying buildings exists, so you may have made up the documentary, but I'm going I'm to go with that being real. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of magneteers 
or phone freaks or these ghost trains. So this is really difficult. You found some really interesting ones. Amazing. And I'm going to end on an anticlimax because I just went for this one for the name. Okay. <laughs> the awesome. art of walking to doors. So this is the this is the quite boring synopsis. <laughs> Um, Pablo Picasso, Andy Warhol, Leonardo da Vinci, all of them, it said, were dyslexic. But was there any oh. connection between that and their work? Chris Ledgard visits the Royal College of Art in London, where he explores the relationship between dyslexia and dyspraxia and students' ability to draw. Oh. So, yes, possibly an interesting documentary, but the synopsis is is not. Did they just get the names mixed up? Was it meant to be like the art of walking into drawing <laughs> or something the art of drawing into do- i don't know i like don't know why close. they call it that yeah mm, okay mm. um interesting so, so yeah you've got under the surface uh eiffel tower call from joy bubbles ghost trains of old england and mm-hmm. the boring one <laughs> <laughs> i feel like the boring one would have been the most the easiest one to come up with because you could easily have found like that that is a thing people have speculated about and invented a documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I reckon you created one of the weird ones. Goodness. Um, oh, man. Okay. I'm going to go with the Magneteer one. I'm going to go with Under the Surface. <laughs> Damn it. We're really? This. Yeah. Oh, what happened? <laughs> We used to be bad. Or was it just me used to be bad? Did you used to be good at guessing them? I, I can't remember. I can't remember. I think we, we didn't both... used to both get them. No, it was unusual for us both to get them. Um, but yeah, no, I made that one up. It is a real thing that people... I don't know if they're called magneteers. I made up that name. Did you? But um, okay. they do just like throw giant magnets into like waterways and just see what they find. Amazing. And like, yeah, there's there's there was one video I saw which like introduced me to this where it's like, it was some bridge in, in America in a city and they threw th- was throwing it over and they're just pulling up knives guns mm. all sorts from mm. people just like disposing of, of weapons that makes sense i guess you get a lot of like weapons and crimes mm-hmm. a river's probably quite a good place to dump them yep magneteer is oh. a great title that they should adopt if they haven't <laughs> uh, yeah. honestly that's amazing. But yeah call from joy bubbles is real wow. i mean i did yeah i'd never heard of that before and that was crazy I, can, I guess I can, yeah, I have no idea how phone lines work or used to work. I'm sure it's very different now. Um, but yeah, like foxing the system, finding ways to hack it, because mm. who would ever think to do this? And also only a machine could produce exactly the right note, surely. Yeah. And then it turns out, no, no, this guy. Yep. Yeah, and that's yeah, amazing. Ghost Trains of Old England, they just have a load of trains that they run because it's too expensive to shut them down. That is so weird. It's just like that you have to pay a fee to close a line. So they're like, oh, we don't want to do that. We'll just run the minimum service, which no one can use. That's a failure of society right there. That <laughs> <Yep>. is just, <laughs> come on, in, guys. Yeah. Good old England. Nice work, friends. <laughs> Amazing. And nobody gets to ride these, like, oh, come on. And you'd at least rent them out, surely. Like, make it a phenomenon, you know? Like, once a year, we have a special party on the ghost train. Tickets, you know, £1,000 a pop. Mm-hmm. Surely, yep. you'd think. Ah, uh, all right. I'm disappointed. I'm going to drown my disappointment in more nonsense. Here <laughs> come uh, my final three. Are you okay. ready for some titles? I am. Let's see if we can go three for three on being correct. <laughs> if so, we we might have to retire this thing because we might. Good Lord. It's, got, it's got two pointless. It's out of hand. Okay, <clears throat> we have my kid could paint that in 2007. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you um, well, obviously, that's a thing which people say about art quite often. 
is that, you know, especially modern abstract art, my kid can paint that because, you know, often it's hard to see what it is and what the exact skill that they've used is. Um, Mm -hmm. So I guess it's a documentary about people who make abstract art and maybe it's quite probing into, you know, that maybe the documentary maker has gone in quite hostile to be like, why is this art? What are you doing that's different to my kid? Maybe he's they've brought their kid along. Um, she's brought her daughter with her. Uh, and, you know, as as the artists create the art, she also gets her daughter to paint something as well. And then they, like, go out and find people and they have to, like, tell the difference between them. It's like an investigative expose, like a super yeah. size me thing, but for the art world. Mm-hmm. And maybe they, like, you know, she gets her daughter's art and um, puts it under the artist's name and, like, tries to... You know, see how much it gets bid on for by uh, mm-hmm. by the art critics. Sort see of if thing. the dealers can tell. That's mm-hmm. fun. I like it. I like it. Uh, you're not a million miles off what I've got here. Uh, okay. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, okay, next title. Um, it is simply called Me, Myself and I. I would say it's about a group of triplets who all think they've all, all got the collective delusion that they are the same person. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, so they, uh, they, yeah, they all think they're the same person. They all think that they have the same relationship um, with one, you know, with one woman, presumably, um, who has somehow gone along with this and is happy to be part <laughs> of this strange thing. Um, and they, yeah, they, they all have the same interests. They do the same things. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just like, it's about the very intricate way that they have to maintain their delusion by always being in different parts of their their one life at the same time wonderful yes very good that's a lot better uh (laughs) cancel this one do make that instead outstanding okay and finally uh we have happy father's day oh um this sounds more like a film than a documentary name Mm -hmm. um i'd like a like a daddy daycare type yeah like a comedy. light-hearted thing which you'd release on father's day and which no one would watch um that's true uh happy father's day what could this be about apart from father's <laughs> day i don't know um it's about a man who is a father on a that's day that's a strong start <laughs> yes <laughs> it's just a real slice of life they just follow him from the the moment he wakes up to the moment he goes to bed just one day um oh i tell you what no it's about priests because they're fathers right yes oh okay and it's about a day in the life of um this monastery and they're sort of uh talking to that oh it's a monastery which has become a daycare and so they're looking after kids and it's about like ah this is going dark though Mm, it's not dark it's not dark it's it fine. does yeah it's it's not in a hundred percent of cases that it has yeah to go exactly it's just fine in this case and okay. um uh but it's about like how uh men who have no kind of intimate relationships uh with um people or families of their own really you know in that sense they're not actually fathers how mm. they talk to I don't know. <laughs> Immediately it's getting weird and I'm not I, I don't like that I've gone down this route. So it's it's about a dad and his day and he has a nice day. Alright, no priests, forget about those. Yep. This guy has a nice day. Excellent. <laughs> I think I nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> certainly did. All right, that one that one diverged uh, a little bit from what I have here. Let's yeah. see. Let's see how we do with the um <clears throat> the official synopses. So we have my kid can paint that. Um, a four-year-old child began painting sprawling abstract art uh, that her parents sold for premium prices. Uh, uh, there was a lot of press coverage, which called into question whether she was a child prodigy or simply a creative girl who had a little help. And if mm. she did, should it matter? How do we define art? My kid could paint that, investigates her process, but it also sheds light on the world of abstract art and the question of who gets to decide whether a creative impulse is valid. Okay. So nice. that's that one. Yeah, mm-hmm. not a million miles from, from what you were talking about. Uh, just focusing on one specific child. Um, and then me, myself, and I. So uh, I'm not going to name him, but um, a 1980s actor wrote and starred in this documentary dedicated entirely to himself. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just what a great project. Uh, <laughs> like, hey, what are you working on these days? I haven't seen you in a film. Oh, yeah, no, I'm making a film all about myself. Oh, what, like you, you wrote a story and you're starring in it. No, no, it's just about me, just my life. <laughs> uh, through the course of it, we are led on a tour of his... Uh, everyday life which includes a one-on-one hockey game with a middle-aged man uh, (laughs) specified specifically a middle-aged man uh, him modeling the latest fashions uh, and several quote-unquote heartfelt talks about what a decent guy he is wow yeah i'm pretty sure that that has been done (laughs) whether it is is called me myself yeah i think that's probably real um i bet someone's narcissistic enough to do that okay all right. Well, finally, uh, slightly different tack. Um, Happy Father's Day. This 2009 film showcases one New Yorker's touching journey to fatherhood, um, which apparently was complicated uh, because he'd had a vasectomy some years previously. <laughs> right. Uh, thinking ahead there. Uh, but fortunately, he had donated to a sperm bank beforehand, which had kept his samples on ice, but a legal mishap apparently resulted in his vengeful ex-wife gaining custody of it. Uh, so we follow them through years of legal battles uh, and the remarkable determination it sometimes takes to start a family. <laughs> okay, that's fun. Um, oh, okay, so I think it's between the first and the last one. It could be either, to be honest. Um, I'm going to go with my kid could paint that. Oh, thank God. Streak broken. Yay! <laughs> I got it wrong. <laughs> Happy Father's Day is fake. Ah, uh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I just liked the idea of a custody battle over a sperm sample, mm-hmm. honestly. But I also like the idea of... Um, battle with shining a light on. <laughs> yes, that's great also. Or the the combo, which uh, when we did Hyperfakicals uh, Art Installation Edition, uh, one of uh, your yeah. fake ones involved falling custard. So <laughs> there is a melange to be, <laughs> to be created there. <laughs> Oh, right. Well, at least we we can officially continue with this segment if there are any more ideas to be had. <laughs> That's true. Because yeah. I got one wrong. <laughs> uh, do we want to discuss the ones which we left out because we had overlap? Oh yeah, yeah. I've got a list of like four, five, six. I've got seven here, which I think right. were a combo of either too gruesome or <laughs> too overlappy. Do we want to like run through them? How many have you got? Uh, well, I've, I've got, I mean, I only got like two, I think, that are worth talking about. Because like, there's one which was Finders Keepers, which was fun. Oh yeah, I mean, talk about I mean, that. Fun in quotation marks. Um, mm-hmm. So this is the the summary that I got. 
Uh, it all starts when John Wood loses his amputated leg. As in, the leg is amputated, given back to him, he mummifies it, and leaves it in a storage facility that accidentally auctioned it off when the bill wasn't paid. But that's not the weird part. It's not. The leg falls into the hands of Shannon Wisnant, a man determined to find fame and fortune. So of course he does what any attention-hungry person would do. He fights tooth and nail to retain custody of the legs that he thinks is his, despite Wood's insistence that he deserves his leg back. Amazing. I think that's what gave me the idea for the sperm-based custard, uh, right. custody war. Sperm-based yeah. custard. Just the mm. idea... Oh, no. No. Uh, just the idea of people having to fight to reclaim ownership of body parts that yeah. they've, like, sold is funny to me. Because oh. because there is a, you know, a weird line there. It's like, yeah, but that's my leg. It's like, well, you sold it to me. I'm not giving it back. I paid for this. And then it's like, why do you want my leg? And it's like, well, why do you want your leg? You had it amputated, you know? It's just like the most nonsensical <clears throat> desire. Like, why does anyone want this leg? And yeah. yet... Oh. Yeah. Very good. Strong. Um, I think we, we talked about Three Identical Strangers, which we both knew about. Yeah, which I'd seen. Have you seen? Uh, yes, I think so. And it's fascinating. Yeah, oh, it's so good. I'd recommend anyone watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, triplets born in 1961. Um... And they, they all think they're the same person. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very good. It shows them reconnecting and then finding out like why they were separated at birth to begin with. And then it gets real chilling. weird. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's got so many plot twists. It's ridiculous that it's real. Yeah, it's a real yeah. It's uh it's 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 tremendous. Mm. I also had one about which was called Tickled. Um, oh yes, yes, yes. Which yep. was about uh, competitive endurance tickling. Marvelous. Um, and uh, yeah, but it's sort of like about um, the person who's doing uh, the the documentary wants to have an interview with the video's producer of the people who made this video about endurance tickling, um, but the company like responds really like hostile in a really hostile way. And they, um, like, in a quite a homophobic way as well. And mm. so then he, like, tries to dig deep into why they are being so weird about the fact that he just wants to talk to them about this this video, which he thought was quite fun. Yep. Yep. So, uh, haven't seen that one. Don't know if no. I will. But, uh, Me neither. Uh, did you have Crazy Love uh, on on your list? I think I don't think I did. I think I'd heard of it. Which is why I I said you you shouldn't do that one because I'd gone ah I know that name. Yeah, all I know about it is that it's about a it's a it's a it's a <laughs> a story of true love gone wrong. Uh, it's a co- combo crime slash romance documentary. Um, mm. which apparently has a twist so bizarre you almost don't want to believe it. Um, and apparently after attempting to end their relationship, uh, she Linda is literally blinded by uh, him burton yeah but that's not the twist this devastating crime of passion is only the beginning of their story yeah Uh, by the end of it they're married apparently no so somewhere along the line things get real interesting Mm, yeah that doesn't sound good it doesn't uh but i wish them all the best (laughs) <laughs> and along the lines of things that don't sound good uh grizzly man was on my list um, oh yeah but it's very I, grizzly it is i've i've read up on grizzly man it's not yeah. it's not not a happy ending in that case no. suffice it to say a man who lives with bears and then it goes poorly was that the it's a Werner herzog one isn't it uh is that the name of the guy i think so the guy who talks like this Werner oh. herzog i don't He's got know. a very don't famous know. voice 
Oh, he's yeah, he's a famous documentarian and, and filmmaker. But, okay. Um, yeah, I think there's a bit where he like listens to the guy as he's uh, spoilers. Uh, yeah, anyone who doesn't want to know, turn off now. Um, spoilers, killed by bears, mm-hmm. and he like there's a recording of it and he listens to it and it's just like horrifying. Yeah, his girlfriend as well, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. just yeah. murdered by the bears that they wanted to live among. It's not not so good. Not great. Not and on so that good. happy note. <laughs> It's the end of the show! <laughs> Yay! Yay! Ah, uh, well. <laughs> Join us next time uh, when we will discuss something that doesn't involve being killed by bears. <laughs> Hopefully. I don't know, Andy. I just had a great idea for a segment. <laughs> I thought you were going to say for a sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> it's just people getting mauled by bears. <laughs> Every the week sitcom. a new character gets mauled. Who's it going to be this time? Oh, God. That was the Hypotheticals podcast. Adriano, where can people find us online? We're all over the place, Andy. Oh, we're everywhere, everywhere. That's right. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Just search for Hypotheticals. That is Hypotheticals, the weird way we spell it, but without the R. Yes, and uh, if you would like to leave us a rating on a podcast app of your choice, be that Acast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, whatever they may be, may take some digging, but if you could leave us a five-star rating, uh, it would mean that we would get more than at least five listeners. We would love you so, so much. And please, why not tell a friend who might enjoy listening to our dulcet tones? And we will see you next time. Bye! Because I actually, um... <laughs> what was that noise? That was the noise of me resizing a window. <laughs> Do you not make sound effects for your computer? <laughs> not, not, no, not, not often. I'm imagining um people who put in new windows in houses also make that sound. <laughs> You're resizing, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Life's more fun that way. What can I tell you? Um, wedding, refi- you know, red- wedding finery for edifices. Et- yeah, Eddie's edifice. <laughs> Eddie's edifice and edifice. What would it be? Edifice something emporium. Um, uh, Eddie's edifice and Weddie's edifice. Ed. Eddie Eddie Weddles's edifice wedding emporium. <laughs> yes, is that good? I think so. Eddie Weddles's edifice wedding Ed, outfits. Eddie, Eddie Weddles edifice wedding emporium. Um, edifice, wonderful edifice wedding, wed, wedding dress emporium. Ed. What's his name? Eddie Weddles' Edifice Wedding Dress Emporium. Edifice... Edifice Wedding... Excellence. Oh. Excellent. Eddie... <laughs> um, Eddie Weddlerus's Edifice... Eddie Weddlerus... <laughs> Eddie Weddlerus's... <laughs> Eddie... <laughs> I need to write this down. <laughs>